Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Black Life China podcast. I am the host, Tony Rez, and it's good to have you back. In this episode of the podcast, I interview a young man by the name of James or J Swag. I really enjoyed this interview because it was very different from many of my other interviews. Like most of the people I interviewed, they usually lived in America and then they went to China when they were older to either work as a teacher or entertainer or foreign service, what have you. But in James' case, he was actually raised for much of his formative years in Hong Kong and lived partially in the U.S. and went to school and went to college there. But a lot of his experience has been being an African-American in Hong Kong and then from that trying to create a business in mainland China. And the business that he was interested in, really his, his background expertise is in fashion and design. So in his case, he went to college in the US, but he forged his way out to mainland China to work with factories in, in two ways. One, to produce his own products. I When I met James, he was designing his own shoes that he was creating and selling. But in addition to that, James was working with factories in China for comp- designer companies in America to have their products made. So James really gives us an insight on what it means to, one, be an entrepreneur in China, two, be a designer in China, three, that dynamic of living a good part of your life as an African-American in China, in this case, Hong Kong, where he was raised, and then spending time in America and experience with that, and then coming back to China, just based on his belief and his confidence in himself and his dream, and really being a success as a designer and this middleman uh, working with companies these companies that want to work in China is what I'm trying to say. So it was very unique and interesting interview that really gave a lot of exposure to the concept of guanxi. And some of you know what guanxi is. Some of you may not because you may have not studied Chinese or too much about the culture. So let me give you a little background. Guanxi is the concept of relationships or what we call in America networks. So to get Almost anything done in China, it really takes uh, understanding and use of guanxi or the ability to develop relationship with people. Uh, a lot of business in China comes from being there, you know, knowing people and a real human connection rather than, you know, an indirect relationship or a cold relationship based just specifically on business. But a lot of businesses or companies and factories in China want to know the people they're dealing with personally. And so Jay Swag has done that wonderfully. And provides insight into how you can leverage guanxi, not just for uh, in a professional sense, but in terms of friendships and also other types of personal relationships. So it's a very good podcast, very insightful, and you need to definitely listen to this if you really want to know about networking and doing business successfully in China. Before we go to the podcast, a couple of things to cover. One, go to our Facebook page and join. So that's Black Life China on Facebook, easy to find. That's what a lot of community is, and that's where we have a lot of our conversations. In addition to that, go to blacklifechina.com website and opt in for the mailing list so I can send you information about Black Life China and other projects I'm working on. In addition to that, 
I am still looking for other African-Americans to interview. So if you spent more than six months in China and you have an interesting story to tell, please reach out to me at info at blacklifechina.com. Let me be more specific. If you're in the California area, reach out to me so we can do a personal interview. However, if you're not, then I'm also open. I can share your story if you want to write something down or if you do a pretty cool video, I'm open. So just contact me again at info at blacklifechina.com. All right. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Black Life China. I'm your host, Tony Riz. I'm sitting here with James. He's a designer, an entrepreneur, a manufacturer, a little bit of everything. Um, how are you doing today, James? I'm doing great. Thanks for the interview. No, thank you for you know coming through and sitting here with me for, uh, for the interview today. So basically, let's just talk about your life in China. What brought you to China? Actually, my story goes way back. Okay. <laughs> way back. Um, my parents first moved out to Hong Kong when I was one years old. So my young years, I grew up in Hong Kong. Um, and then um, I went back to the States for high school and college. And then I uh, ended up coming back out here after college. Wait a minute, so you went to elementary school in Hong Kong? That's right. <laughs> oh, that's pretty legit. What were your parents doing in China? I mean, Hong Kong at the time. Uh, my parents, they uh, was teaching English. Um, my dad, he had a, um, he did basketball. He was doing a lot of sports and different things. Um, and that was, that was the main reasons. So you were born in Hong Kong? No, I was born in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm like, wow, he's born in China. Yeah, born in Las Vegas, um, and then shipped out to, to Hong Kong. So how did like going to elementary school in Hong Kong you know, shape you in terms of your thinking, or you know, meaning your thinking, your, your, your understanding of life? Um, I guess, I, I'm, I guess it, it opened my eyes to more of an international world. Um, I feel like people in the states they don't they don't see outside of America so much. Where me growing up in Asia, I was around pretty much the world, you know, right right in my schooling and you know my everyday life. You know, I'm, I'm around Indians, I'm around you know the Chinese, of course. Uh, so I was very uh, open in that way. So when you went to U.S. for middle school and high school, because, you know, middle school is a time where you're finding your identity and trying to find your place. How was that? Very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) My my parents moved us back to the States, actually, for two years um, during elementary, I guess. Um, And so that was when I first really got my first feel of the States. And yeah, it was it was hard to adapt. Kids didn't understand me, you know. They made fun of me, you know, because I was different. You know, I grew up somewhere else, um, and so that was that was actually a hard time in my life because you know I was bullied on, you know, and uh, yeah, and it's just it was it was different. Um, where did they and where did you get raised in the states? Where did you go to school for middle school? Like I went in what back state? to Las Vegas. Oh, you're in Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then. Um, so then after that two years in the States, then my parents decided to go back to, to Hong Kong. Um, and then um, 
you know, then it just, uh, we stayed out there until, I guess, high school. In high school, I, I came back to the States. So, you know, what made you want to come back to China? Um, for college, I, I went to school for um, fashion design uh, in L.A. And um, after that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I had a friend at that time who wanted to start a footwear brand. And um, I thought it was interesting. And I didn't really have connections in the States, you know, in order to get a design job and different things. So I was struggling, even after, after college, struggling to find a job, you know. So I thought it was a good idea. My parents were still in, in Hong Kong. And so... Um, we both flew back out to Asia to, to kind of figure things out, look for factories, and, and kind of put this whole brand together. And um, it went well for a while, and then me and my partner kind of, you know, parted ways. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I, I saw the potential of what me being in Asia could, could be, and um, so I decided to stay. How did you see that potential? Um, just the, the fact that we were able to go to factories ourselves and, and develop something. And that was the first time I did something like that. You know, I went to school and everything. I learned about it. But to do it yourself is, is something different. And it was easy. It wasn't like it was something something that I couldn't touch and actually do, you know. Um, you know, you just contact them and we were able to just go out to China and visit the factories ourselves. And then. Um, I was like, wow, this is this is cool. You know, I could do this. You know, so it was it was good. <laughs> you make it sound like it's that simple, but it's not that simple. Like, how were you able to get on a plane, yeah. come to Hong Kong, and then go to China and just hit up factories? I mean, what was part of your success and that part of your story? Uh, well, it was. For me, it's a little bit easier because I have my parents in Hong Kong already. <laughs> you know, most people they have to worry about you know hotels and all of that. So it was easy for me to come back, just stay with my parents, and kind of just put the pieces together. Um, and finding factories was a challenge, but um, we we had some connections. A friend of my dad's actually that actually had a factory, a shoe factory, and that was my first. Um, factory that I worked with and um, they developed our first samples and everything we went from there um, but then after after me and my partner split up I decided that um, uh, I was going to move into China myself and really start digging into where factories are and finding you know making uh, friendships with factory owners and, and different things and uh and that's kind of where, where my business kind of took off from. Well, tell us about, you know, making, you know, billionaires connections and relationships, that guanxi, that network with Chinese manufacturers. Because everyone knows that, well, maybe you don't know, people listen to the podcast, but networks, you know, guanxi, those relationships are a very important thing for everything in China, for businesses and for other endeavors. So tell us more about that. Yeah, very much. Um, Chinese people, they're very, um, they're very much about loyalty. Um, they they like it if someone is um, in their face. You know, they see the person a lot. You know, you go, you take them out for dinners, and and really show them that that you're not, 
just gonna use them and run away and you know make a bunch of samples and then go to another factory they like that you give them that loyalty and um, and friendship you know they 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 want to become your friend especially with foreigners because they don't they don't get that opportunity so much so um, so being um, being in China gave me that opportunity to really uh, get to know them and and you know hang out with them and then um, from there they you know they gave me better prices you know they they put me first on the production line you know so I was able to get things done faster and I was able to go to their factories sit with them explain what I'm looking for and and that's what really helped um, build what I'm doing now yeah. let's talk more about what you're doing now tell us more about that um, well, the main thing I do um, is is um, is manufacturing. I um, I work with brands from the states and a couple other countries uh, in developing what they what they are making. So um, basically, clothing, accessories, hats, footwear. Um, so I, I'm basically an agent for other companies. And again, how long you've been in China for now? Uh, now China about four and a half years. So I mean, how is it? What are some of your experiences here? Like, how have you managed to successfully make it after four and a half years? A lot of people can't make it here, you know. So, you know, how were you able to overcome challenges, or what have been some of your challenges of living in China? Stories, man. Stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got plenty of stories to go on that. But um, when I first came out, it was, it was a struggle. Uh, I had a a friend of mine, um, a brother from Chicago, who was living here already, um, and he was a teacher. And when I first came out here, he helped me get a job real quick. And I basically just started from zero out here, no money. You know, um, I had some a little bit of savings from uh, designs that I did before from another country, company. Um, and you know, we became uh, roommates and. Got a job and I just started uh, teaching for a good year and a half, I guess. Um, and that's really what helped me just to survive out here, you know, because it's not e- easy if you don't have at least somebody to help you, kind of guide you, tell you what to do and where to go. And, you know, if you just come out here, it's just like, man, where to start, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, so that was very helpful. Um, and then I, I knew my ultimate goal was to figure out my business, um, but you know I had to go step by step, you know, and just put the pieces in, in the places, and um, and just grow from each step, you know. So um, yeah, it was started off in teaching, <laughs> and then um, finally things started picking up on my business, and I was able to quit teaching, and now I pretty much do my own thing. Uh, full-time okay so you wanted a few that's been able to transition out of the teaching because honestly for all you listening you know in terms of visas or just being able to stay in China often you start at teaching because it's uh, the easiest way to in- enter the country and build a foundation but again you were able to transition how were you able to make that transition that so many have failed to do well, the teaching thing, you know, it was great doing it, but I hated teaching. <laughs> um, I'm not a teacher by far. I hated teachers growing up. So 
it was funny when I um, when I got the job. I'm like, wow, I'm really a teacher right now, <laughs> teaching little kids and stuff. <laughs> but um, it was, uh, I mean, it was experience. I I travel. I had to go to, you know, all over Guangzhou, uh, the city where I live now. Um, teaching in different kindergartens and schools and different things. It was it was uh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> but, you know, I got through it. Um, but um, it was his experience. It was really building, uh, I guess, my confidence and and helping me to, you know, stay out here. You know, like to to be able to, you know, if I didn't have that, I don't know what I would have done. You know. So I probably would have given up and moved back to Hong Kong or back to the States. But um, it helped me to keep going. So, you know, I do appreciate appreciate it. Let's talk more about your teaching experience. Like, what are some things that you felt, although you didn't enjoy teaching for that for a year and a half, were there things, like you just stated, that, you know, were benefits from going through teaching? Like, what are some skills that you picked up from that teaching experience? Or, I mean, maybe there weren't any. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> um... Well, one thing I think is is just um, uh, I guess what's the word? I guess to be I guess on time, you know, to be uh, uh, responsible and and make it to the to the schools on time because uh, some of them were really far out, and I had to schedule you know the whole scheduling thing. You know, I guess that helps me today, you know, with all my whole scheduling and making sure I'm on time on meetings and, you know, different things like that. So I guess that's, that's what I take out of teaching. <laughs> well, since, you know, you're doing all the designs and dealing with style, so you should be on, like, the, the fringe when it comes to, you know, creativity and having that mindset. What is your thoughts in terms of, you know, the creative space in China? Um... Not sure if I understood that one. <laughs> well, having being such a creative person, dealing with style and fashion, you know, for, for me, you're an expert. So when it comes to what do you think about Chinese style or, or the ideal of fashion in China? What is your thoughts or critiques in terms of that growing space? Um, fashion, well, well, China itself gives a lot of gives me a lot of ideas, um, just because. Even though maybe the world doesn't see them as creative, I see a lot of of things in China would would inspire me. Um, but I feel like nowadays, like the fashion, um, the way people wear their clothes and everything is is changing. Um, I have a I have a couple very fashionable uh, friends here who are Chinese. You know, they grew up in China. Um, they have their own clothing brands, and their stuff is amazing. So it'll be interesting to see where it all takes. Because um, now, you know, before they Chinese people weren't so creative. You know, they more copied what other people do. Uh, may, maybe change it a little bit, but for the most part, they copy it exact. You know, and that's I mean that's really what built China. You know, like so many things you. You see, it's like, yo, that's exact copy, but they maybe change the name or something. So, you know, but nowadays, I think they're growing out of that. Um, they're starting to see, hey, we can design too, um, and they're coming up with some dope stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what what's gonna happen in the next few years, um, especially with fashion, because um, 
the people I know are dope. You know, I'm helping. I'm trying to help a couple people get their stuff into the states. I feel like that that you know it's that dope enough to to present to Americans. Really? Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. Okay, so let's talk about in terms of like your future. Uh, do you see yourself staying in China, or do you see yourself? Returning to the states or having things set up here to work from there, and what is your your ideas? What part you see role you see China playing in terms of your future?、Uh, my ultimate plan <laughs> is to、um, I'll probably be here another couple years. I'm guessing、um, at least until my business can kind of run on its own and I don't have to be physically here all the time.、Uh, if I could do that, I'd like to move back to the states and. Um, so that I can focus more on、uh, getting clients, because、um, that's you know that's what my business runs off of right now,、um, and you know if, I can't really get clients out here, you know although I have a couple companies like Storm, I work with Storm in、um, in Shanghai, they do all the big parties and stuff out there,、um, you know I work with a couple people in Hong Kong. But it's nothing compared to what I get from the states. So I figured if I if I could really set things up here and then、uh, hopefully move back in a couple years, then I can get、um, focus on just marketing and 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 meeting people and、um, you know and getting more business that way. Has your ethnicity or race played a role in any of your? In your life, in China. Hmm. <laughs> um. That's a tough one because I, I, it does and it doesn't. <laughs> okay. Ways, okay. Um, I've had I've had factories turn me away just because of my color, <laughs> or they just don't want to work with someone black or foreign. I guess I don't know. Um, and then I get some factories that are excited. They're like, "Wow, you know, they've never worked with a black person, you know,、um, and you know they treat me very, very nice." I, most times, I I get a welcoming、uh, feel from people,、um, so that's that's good. I think、um, I haven't had too much trouble with with working with factories and, and things. Okay, that's the question because. When it comes to the states, and some people have perspective that you know Asians have a negative perspective of African Americans, or they just racist towards African Americans or Black people in general.、Yeah. So, what is your, from what you're saying, that's not necessarily the case in your experience. So, what is your thoughts on that?、Um, I think, I think when it comes to business, the Chinese people are pretty much open to anybody.、Um, Because if they, you know, they they want to grow their own businesses, so、uh, for the most part, they don't they don't look at color or race or anything like that,、um, because they want your money. <laughs> you know? Everybody's green in that case. Yeah, right. So if they if they feel that you are someone that can bring them business, they're usually quite open to working with you. So yeah, I haven't had I haven't had that much problems with the with the situation, and also most most factories I go to is is through somebody else that's that can like credit me, or who I do what I do and who I work with. So、um, that's、uh, 
that's a benefit for me. So pretty much having those relationships helps you supersede any kind of problem, not necessarily be it ethnicity-based or race-based, but just not being being a stranger to that company or that manufacturer. That's right. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Chinese people are, are very much like that uh, with with everything. <laughs> you know, even if you're gonna like talk to a girl out here, you know, in the states, you know, you can roll up on a girl and be like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, like it's not so much like that here. <laughs> well, elaborate. So the dating process in China, if you don't mind sharing, for some of our listeners out there, how's the dating? Um, environment situation different here than in the states if you don't mind share what yeah. you can please okay <laughs> like i said like you know in the states we can roll up on a girl you know you say what's up and it's pretty much a rap well most time well not all the time but you know what i mean <laughs> you know and then um here it's you know they get scared if you just try to talk to somebody on the street or something you know they like oh this creepy black man trying to, trying to you know i don't know but um i find it more you know I, at first i thought like girls out here would be would be afraid of us black people you know but I've, i'm finding that they actually like us but it's 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 a secret. It's like undercover. <laughs> it's an undercover like DL. Yeah, it's a DL. <laughs> you know, it's it's more like um, if someone introduced the girl to you, and they know that you're a safe guy, you're a friendly guy, all this stuff, then they're more open. Um, versus, you know, you just go up to someone, then they get scared or whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah, that's that's the difference I've seen, <laughs> which is quite funny. But um, yeah, girls are cool. I mean, they, they um, most times they're pretty friendly, you know, especially if you're introduced to them. So again, going back to the idea of that guanxi and relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, so I try to meet their friends first. <laughs> okay, a little strategy there for everyone listening. Right. <laughs> Introduce me. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's true because even when it comes to you know, Japanese men getting to know a girl, it is through the same process. Mm -hmm. So it's the same for Chinese as it is for foreigners. Right, yeah, I agree. All right, it's good to know. <laughs> so what advice would you give for people who are, it's two parts. One, if you were sitting across from yourself, like before you came to China your first time, not when you were a kid in Hong Kong, but before you came to China your first time to do business, or if you were sitting across from a, a young African-American or you know, a young black person looking to come to China for the first time to not only live here, but to be successful and make it here, what would be your advice to them? Um, I would say to definitely have a plan um, uh, on what you want to accomplish. Uh, a lot of times I've met people that have come out here with no plan and they just say, oh, I'm, I'm here to try to figure something out, which is good, but if you don't have a plan at all, then how are you going to make those steps to get to what you want, you know? So it's best to have a plan and, and to really plan out what's the next step. You know, for me it was, you know, teaching. Next is to, um, you know, to start a business. Um, you know, and then to grow from that. So, um, well, let's talk about that for a second. I think you made a very important point. There's a danger there when coming to China. Mm -hmm. What people don't understand is that 
least that's how I feel about it. China can be very comfortable. Very comfortable, very quickly. You can yeah. make enough money yeah. to live comfortably. Yeah. And I, I compare it to the Odyssey, mm -hmm. where, you know, Odysseus was like, had, had his ears filled with wax because mm -hmm. the island, the sirens or what have you, were like wooing the men to stay on the island. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't have a plan, you could just end up staying in China, right. teaching from here to here, and just be here. Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of people do that. <laughs> so, yes. You know, it, it can become very comfortable because, you know, in the States, people are struggling, like, trying to find jobs and, and things like that. But if you have a stable, you find a stable teaching job out here, you just, you could just be living, you know? Like, and things aren't too expensive here. Like, um, you know, apartments are, are still quite cheaper than the States. Um, you know, food, you know, everything is, is a lot cheaper, I feel, still. Um, prices are rising now, but it's still, you, it's very livable. Um, so you could get comfortable and then pretty much forget about what you came out here to do. So, um, so yeah, it's best to just have a plan and, and try to stick to it as much as possible. Um, yeah, and, and then, you know, I think that's the best... A solution to really get what you want and to really um, uh, you know accomplish a, your goals you know so what has helped you though keep on on point keep to your goal and not waver? I mean four and a half years you came here with an idea yeah uh, I'm gonna go to China I'm gonna do my fashion thing <laughs> I'm gonna open up manufacturers I'm trying to tell you that's an amazing thing you know what kept that drive what kept you from you know it's not like you're going in hey i'm maybe you are fluent in chinese or cantonese and you're going to go there i'm going to go make these things happen with another on the other side of the world with people i don't know i mean what what is that like, what kept you going what is that drive uh just to make it man just um and also the passion of what i what i've of, of you know fashion and and everything i wanted to do something different because um, everybody in the state seems to have a clothing brand. Everybody seems to have, um, you know, uh, just different things that they're doing. But it seems to be like pretty much the same thing. So I, I was thinking of what can I do differently, but still in the fashion industry, you know. Um, and and then I thought of uh, this whole this whole business I'm doing now and it's you know it's it working you know it's it's a business that I didn't have to put money down you know because it's basically a service you know so people pay up front you know and I I ship them out what they want you know so um, it worked and um, um, yeah and I just uh, just kept growing from from one client to another client and People tell, you know, that client might tell another person, and you know, I haven't, like, I haven't had a website or anything uh, since I started. You know, it's just all been referrals and and uh, you know, people just talking about it. So, again, back to those relationships. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, relationships is very important. Yeah, and also the relationships that I had back in fashion school too. A lot of the people I. Um, was this the fashions? Was called F F I D M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Downtown L A. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my friends that I went to school with, I'm doing business with now. I'm working with them on different projects. Um, 
So, yeah, relationships is, is a key to pretty much everything in life, I think. You know, whatever business you're in, you know, you got to have the right relationships to, to make it happen. Um, so... Would it be any more advice you would give to people who are interested in fashion? Not necessarily about China, I mean, what would you give them that would be like a, a simple principle for them to apply, you know, in their lives in terms of their passion? Um, I would say, I mean, your passion of what, what you enjoy doing to continue to do that, you know, and like, even though you might come against, you know, a wall, um, you know, just find a way to climb over that, you know, and, and keep going. Like, you know, I have so many things I've, I've done in fashion and it's failed and like, I should have gave up, you know, you know, maybe I gave up on that certain project, but then I tried something else. And uh, until I can find something that that's worked, like I've started, I started t-shirts, t-shirt brand. I've tar- started shoe brands, you know. And now I'm doing a hat brand and sneaker brand. So it's, it's, uh, it's just keep trying, man. And you know, eventually something will stick and something will work that people, other people, will enjoy and like. So. No, that's yeah. great advice. <laughs> well, that's pretty much we're gonna into our interview. Let's see, somebody want to add. Uh, not that I could think of. Come to China. <laughs> well, again, uh, James, thank you very much. This has been a very inspirational interview. I think um, the listeners are really going to enjoy it. I appreciate it. I appreciate the interview. And, and very nice meeting you. Pleasure meeting you, too. All right, guys, that's it for our interview for today. You can check out other episodes of Black Life China podcast again at blacklifechina.com or go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash blacklifechina. Other than that, you guys have a great day.